Polyhedron is a production of Headcanon Games, LLC. Please bookmark Headcanon Games for the latest in Polyhedron news. Polyhedron is sponsored by listeners like yourself. If you'd like to become a patron of Polyhedron, please go to patreon.com polyhedron. Now, on with your show. Welcome to Polyhedron, your multifaceted podcast for everything RPG related. I am your host, Matthew, and as always, I have my two co-hosts here, Ryan. I'm never going to stop bragging about the Neil Price interview. I, I just want to point that out. Fair, fair. And Scott. It was a pretty good interview, I gotta say. I wish I was there, but you know. In the future, you In the will future. be there. Oh yeah. Just maybe my voice won't turn into a fucking hot box of gravel and glass shards. Actually, I almost want to record that just to see what it sounds like. Something like (laughs) (laughs) something. Okay, well, sorry, podcast audience. (laughs) I was doing a bit. (laughs) Well, welcome back. Here's another wonderful episode of Polyhedron. We have got some news. Not a lot of uh, actually, kind of a big chunk of news rather than tiny little bits of news. Yeah, it's actually um, we're we're a little late on this just because you know we had interview and other other stuff to talk about. Uh, But the Grand Masquerade was about a month ago. Uh, and they did a keynote, big keynote speech, and did a lot of releases. This is for White Wolf, uh, by the way. Uh, White Wolf Entertainment is what they actually are now. Um, and a couple, about a week, couple weeks ago, they released the keynote uh, and like the Q and A's and all of that online. Um, so I know uh, I watched it. I believe Matthew watched yes. it. Yes. And Ryan is a slacker, so it's the only WWE I care about, though. <laughs> Zing. Uh. It was a it was a very good keynote. We're not going to go like verbatim. This is not what the episode's about, but what we can we can hit the highlights for everyone yeah. who want to go. What I'm intrigued by is besides we got some cool history of White Wolf and leading into what they are now, which is fully White Wolf Entertainment. That right. is what they're licensed by uh, from Paradox Interactive. And the cool thing is they discussed in my mind was they how Paradox and them interact is a lot like how Disney deals with Marvel. Marvel is still a kind of a very independent entity from Disney. It's just when they need support and funds, guess what? They yep. know where their know where their bread is buttered. Well, it's just knowing like it, that. That's just good management. Knowing yep. where your talent lies, it's like, well, if I put my fingers up in this, I'll probably fuck it up. So I might as well just hand them oh. the money and let them make the magic happen. That's what? very much what's uh, what's going on there. Um, and yeah, no, it's really exciting. I, I fully suggest that everyone who's interested in White Wolf stuff. If you haven't watched that, it's about an hour long. Um, it's a, just a really well put out presentation, like it, like Matthew said, a lot of White Wolf history, kind of like how we got to this point. If that sort of thing interests you, also, also they're working on the documentary, which I'm assuming is going to be all about that shit. Um, oh, uh, just as a injection, I will put a link to that YouTube video directly in our blog post, so that if anyone just wants to go right to the website at Kenny Games slash Polyhedron, uh, you'll be able to get directly to it. Yeah, and they talked a lot about their partners and sort of their uh, their strategy for for releasing products. Like they they plan on being they are going to license the shit out of White Wolf stuff, but they're going to be very hands on. Yes, uh, licensor. Uh, they're going to basically, like, they're not gonna, just going to hand, you know, Werewolf or Vampire or, or Mage off to someone and say, hey, make a, make a, mo- hey, freelancers make, make a mobile app. Yeah. They're going to be, you know, working pretty close hand in hand to do that sort of stuff. Same like, with fan sites. They're going to be working very heavily with making sure fan sites 
reads sort of cer- a certain decorum, yeah. a certain aesthetic. Well, they want everybody to follow the follow uh, uh, some pretty pretty stock standard guidelines as far as like legality and and fair use and all that stuff. But they want to support the fan sites, uh, including like fan products, uh, like they the. Apparently, like, Clan Book Kiosset is, like, something they're never going to do, but is a thing that exists out there, and they want to, like, make that cool. Who are the Kiosset again? The Kiosset were the, like, La Sombra that got filled with Fey Blood. Yeah, they're the La Sombra bloodline that have Fey Blood. You know how you mirror oh kind of, God. like, vampire mages? Yeah. These are vampire Fey. So Our the... friend Dolores, like... Oh, that's uh, why. Yeah, she, she was... Abnormally in, into the Kiasid. They're the snowflakiest snowflakes that were ever snowflakes. They very much snowflake. Uh, what do you think all the bloodlines from the New World of Darkness, which is now the Chronicles of Darkness? Where do you think those like the idea of oh, you want to create your own bloodline, huh? Yeah. Well, towards the end of our run, we had nine million of them that people just wanted to write up and put in their books. And I've never played a single moment of any of the Chronicles of Darkness game. No, wait, changing the Lost I did play. Yes. Didn't play Va- didn't play Vampire the Requiem, never played WTF, any of that. I just, I'm, uh, I find it all very confusing now. My interaction with all of that was mostly LARP-based. Um, uh, we used uh, we used that in the LARP we, uh, yep. we ran. Yes, uh, we did. We used those rules, some of that continuity. We actually matched up... Uh, the con- the two continuities. Yeah, it was kind of it literally a post Gehenna, post apocalypse sort of scenario of yeah, the rules have changed, so we're going to yeah, change yeah, up how we, the world we played works. it around. And this was before they had the translation guides out, which allowed you to you know do that you know. So we had to do all that work work and ourselves. I thought we did okay. Yeah, I think we did it was just game. fine. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean they're they they have got some shit planned. Like they they talked a lot about their more international focus. Uh, which they made it very clear that they weren't, they like, we're not going to stop getting, like, America and Western Europe stories. they like, we're not, we're not divvying up the pie different, we're making the pie bigger. Right. They're, um, gonna, they're basically going to say that, hey, we're going to focus on some key things in the Americas, but we're also going to go to South America, we're also going to go to Africa, we're also going to go to Asia and the Middle East. And all in Russia, we're going to really showcase uh, out what's going on in the total war. That's why they call it the one, one world of darkness. And they're going to get people who actually like you know live in those cultures yep. to write the books. Like currently, right now, under development, uh, a one of the big Korean fan clubs uh, is working with them to create create Korea by night. Neat. Uh, so written by you know. Koreans. Koreans. Yeah, I like it. Um, um, and so the big th- takeaway, besides all the things we've already mentioned, is that uh, the last speaker was Martin Erickson, who is the lead, basically ST, big narrative designer of, for White Wolf Entertainment. Mm-hmm. And he went over a lot of his the ambitions that White Wolf has. Um, you may have heard bantered around, we're going to have a Netflix show by 2020, or movies. I can't wait. I can't that can wait. be really cool. Um and they really sort of, that's where they sort of explained the stuff that Scott was saying previously concerning the one world of darkness having an international feel. Um, Guys, uh, we've already had the World of Darkness television show. It ran for seven seasons. It, it was called True Blood. Um, close. That was actually yeah, closer no. than the actual legitimate show called... Uh, Kindred the Embrace. Yeah, Kindred the Embrace. Please, let's, uh, let's not talk about that. Oh, oh, oh. oh Guys, no. great idea. This is hot news, everyone. We're going to have an episode where we're going to talk about Kindred the Embraced. I have to get very drunk. 
I'm okay with because that. Because that means we have to watch it. Hey, um, if you guys want this, this episode to happen, give us good reviews. Give us some feedback. Send Tell us, us you want us to get drunk a, and talk about Kendrick. Yeah. You know, a, you know, there's a few bucks on Patreon or something so I can afford the freaking Mr. Boston's amount of liquor <laughs> I'm going to need to make this okay. Yeah, because it's uh, not you heard okay. It here, folks. Pay Ryan's liquor bill. It'll be. It could be Mad Dog Twenty Twenty. It doesn't matter. I just have to get drunk on something not good so that I know what I've done to myself afterwards. <laughs> so you remember this horrid experience. Yeah. So yeah. you know when I'm puking the next day, I'll be like, "Oh, Nosferatu." Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, like they talked about some really intriguing stuff, like interactive audio dramas, like choose oh, your own adventure style. Like they've got one. They're they've got one in development for Telltale games. Yeah. Well, no. It's not. I mean, it's it's audio drama, so it's like listening to a, a, a an audio book. But you click your no. It, it's voice activated. Oh. So it's called. It's by a company called Earplay. Yes. They've got they've, one. They've got one for Orpheus in the works. And Scion. Scion's going to get one. Yes, they are. Um. Uh, thank you, everyone who's backside. By the way, they're doing Gangbusters. Absolutely. Um. And uh. Well, now that we're talking about Kickstarters, Voyage of Fortune Star. Uh, it was the one we mentioned last time, the 7C computer role-playing game. It still needs to get funded, and my wife will be very sad if it doesn't. And you don't want to know what that happens when that happens. Yeah. No, no. Nope. But uh, going back to the big keynote speech, uh, something that Mr. Erickson's, Erickson sort of pointed out was uh, laying all the stuff out, really putting out its ambitions, as I said, but really actually pulling the curtain back on some ideas that they're going to have. Uh, one of the cool things that they're going to try to do with the World of Darkness is this is still the same continuity as the end of the old World of Darkness. Uh, the only thing that's pretty much going to get kind of thrown out the door is the last actual Time of Judgment books. Mm-hmm. The actual Gehenna book itself will not be canonical, or at least only parts of it will yeah, be canonical. Ge- Gehenna, uh, Apocalypse, Ascension, yeah. uh, and the, the the Time of Judgment thing, they're they're like they're saying like that that's not necessarily what happened. You yep. can't. I mean, you can't just call the whole Gehenna book a whoopsie and the. And everyone's just freaking out. Yeah, you got to push that back, or at least mm-hmm. just remove well, well, it. Well, they said is it's now going to be twelve years later from all of that continuity because it's been that long out of play, quote unquote. <laughs> I'd use a gaming term for that, but also explaining that. But just because that's been pushed back doesn't mean the world hasn't changed. And one of the interesting things he hinted at was a key phrase: is they're reexamining all of the supernaturals in the one world of darkness and really getting back to the roots of what makes them what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things Eric said was for vampires is you are what you eat. And that sort of gave way to his explanation of vampire disciplines may be changing in that it's not just some cool superpower you have. It's you have to feed on specific types of people or certain people in certain emotional states in yeah. order to get access to certain Powers. Like to get presents, you you will have to feed off of uh, people who are in a state of lust or love, particularly towards you. Um, I need like, that fast blood. That, yeah, that fast blood. You gotta feed off, you know, athletes and junkies. Yeah, and like and, obfuscate. Feed on the people that are the hidden, the people that no one wants to notice. That kind of stuff. Yeah, and like that sort of personal focus, because you know, uh, White Wolf. The the byline has always been a storytelling game of personal horror. Um, and you know, that's, I love that shit. So if they're going to try and gamify that more, uh, you know, going back to our last podcast, mechanics as metaphor, if they're going to start to play that game, I'm Chain down. The Lost did a very similar thing. About oh having, yeah. Having to eat people who are in 
feed off people who are in a very specific emotional state at the yeah. time. Yeah, so I, I can. They've already kind of done yeah, they played of with that a little bit. Work of mechanizing that. Yeah, it's 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 a it's the maturing of the state of the uh, of the game. The Erickson, I'm sure the others are like, mm-hmm. we need to update this with newer eyes, older eyes, more mature eyes, because Erickson did lay down repeatedly over and over. We're not shying away from conversations about things that happen in the world and things that can be stories. And um, one of the things that really impressed me, because they were talking about their relationship with fan clubs and, you know, LARP groups and all of that, is they made it very clear that they, um, they're they not going to be engaging in any sort of top-level censorship. Like, they, like they're, they're not... They don't believe that that sort of content restrictions... There's been movements in the Camarilla, the Mind's Eye Society, to, you know you know, uh, say, like, sexual assault, that sort of thing, it's not going to be discussed. Um, and, like, they, their stance is, if your fan club wants to take that kind of stance, absolutely. But that sort of thing is not going to come down from us. Yeah. Our stance is, don't ban topics, ban players. Um, and Yeah, just recently, the Atlanta area, was it the Atlanta area Mind's Eye? Or just like, I think no, it was just Mind's Eye. Mind's Eye was just like, we're not covering this topic anymore in any form or yeah. fashion. You'll be grandfathered in if this is something that happened to you, or right. you, you committed this act, but other than that, we're done with it. Yeah, no, and, and like I said, like, uh, as on a per-fan club level, I perfectly agree with that. That is, that is you know, your organization's things, but I also respect White Wolf's stance of that's for y'all to decide. It's not going to come down from us. There's a real state's rats issue is all I'm mm-hmm. saying. Yeah, pretty much. They're taking a more clear-cut approach to everything they're saying. This is, and they're getting out ahead of it. They're going, this is what is acceptable. This is what we're, this is more, this is what we're going to do. And this is how we want to approach it. They're having, as we said, with the licensing and everything, mm-hmm. and the fan club control, they're really saying, these are our IPs. We want to represent them in a very particular way. And this is how we will do it. If you wish to, on an individual basis, to alter them slightly for better presentation for your group, mm-hmm. fine. That's perfectly within your right to do. But we ourselves, we do not want to shy away from anything that could tell a story. Yeah, we're um, we're gonna yeah they they're they're taking a very they're ter- I think they're taking a very you know bold and 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 firm stance on that sort of thing, um, with the caveat that you know. They're you know a bunch of progressive Scandinavians, so they they I think they have one foot in the in the sort of the avant garde no uh, no censorship and all another foot in the let's not be huge cocks about this. Yeah, I mean they're just trying to. I can see where Erickson's coming from. They just like I want to tell stories, and you can't you self censor. You can't tell the best story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, another and also some venues are just more mature. Yeah, yeah, like absolutely mature. I'm sure there is a mature venue out there that can completely handle those topics with a plum, make it interesting, make it make it like not the worst thing in the entire world. Like mm-hmm. not creepy pre- and weird. Not creepy weird and in terms of presentation and all of that. But I'm also one hundred percent sure, in fact I can tell you for certain that there are venues where it's a problem and should never ever be brought up. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And that's a case by case. And again, we we we, we here at Polyhedron, definitely advocate responsible role playing, respectful role playing. So oh, yeah, make know sure your... you keep yourself safe and in control, and go have fun. Know your table and don't role play with assholes. Yep. 
Like, just don't. And yeah. if and if you and if you're having trouble finding a table, even though everyone else is finding a table, maybe you're the asshole. Maybe you're the asshole. Have you ever stopped and just asked yourself, "Am I an asshole?" It's a good question to ask every now and then. You should, even if you're not, you should ask it at least. Like, reflection is worth its weight in gold. Maybe, maybe like once or twice a month. Like, just anyway. But bleeding a bleeding uh, send over us your feelings at feels a polyhedron. Um, <laughs> Uh, that is we not an actual. That uh, is not an email address. Uh, well, it might be. You go ahead and send some stuff there. <laughs> uh, send some deep dark shit there. I want to see what happens. Put <laughs> but it in anyway, the comments. Bleeding, bleeding over a little bit into our main topic. I don't want to quite get there yet because um, they were talking a lot about their sort of multimedia approach. Uh, you know, they definitely are going to be doing video games. Uh, they're going to be computer games. Um, one of the most like straight up most interesting thing was not actually. Uh, a thing uh, that they were talking about White Wolf products was Martin Erickson talking about something he had done in the past, which was like a combination ARG, Nordic LARP um, uh, TV show that was done called like Spirals or something. Uh, and it it was like things that happened in the ARG effect, affected the LARP. Things that happened in the LARP affected the TV show. Like it was a huge multimedia thing. And he's said before that, like, basically everything he's ever done in his head has been in the world of darkness. So if that's the scale of their ambition, like, if that's the sort of thing that they want to do with the world of darkness, I am ready to go. Um, I honestly think that could be a great model for how we can introduce role-playing and the concepts of role-playing to a mass market. Because we, we talked about this last time, we're getting more like Critical Role, mm-hmm. Sundry, we're getting the Play Together Project, we're getting people who are trying to broadcast their games. This could be a way, through a TV show, through an ARG, mm-hmm. to really showcase, guys, this is what role-playing can do, these are the stories we want to tell, and really bring it to a larger audience that can start being able to digest it. Well, I'll put it this way. They're going to need to do a lot of work on that front because if you want to t- we'll talk about which game is more accessible in the in the grand, you know, bipartisan pantheon of RPGs what you what you play for the first time, Dungeons and Dragons is more accessible than White Wolf, hands down. I guarantee you. So they're going to need to figure out a way to make these stories, these mechanics and all of it way easier to digest than, you know, than D&D. Well, I actually that. would argue because of the advent of a lot of vampire uh, and vampire culture and mythos into the modern <laughs> pop culture conscience, I think they have a they actually will understand it almost a little as much or a little bit better than a D&D fantasy world. Because if you give a vampire, it's like, oh, I know what a vampire is. I basically know what the mythology of this world is because they're vampires. Well, I think it's something that Justin Achilles, another member of White Wolf, uh, said a while back, is that everyone has had has made more money off of White Wolf stuff than White Wolf has. Uh, <laughs> like, under Underworld, True Blood, like Ryan mentioned. Yep. So, yeah, I think I think the vampire mythos and, like, the supernatural creature uh, mythos is Pretty urban, ingrained in urban our fantasy. Co- uh, urban fantasy. fantasy. Honestly, yeah, true. I mean, if, if you want to talk about like pushing forward the agenda of like making White Wolf accessible to everyone, True Blood and Supernatural have done done them a million damn favors in yep. terms of. Well, like, now they uh, just need to capitalize on it and you know do their own do do it and, themselves. And I think that's what they're trying to really do. I think that I think Paradox. That's why Paradox bought them. They're mm-hmm. like, there's an untapped market here. These guys basically founded these ideas into the modern culture. Mm-hmm. Now people that love this stuff have enough money to go out and buy 
all of it and consume mm-hmm. all of it. So I'm ready. My yep. bank account's ready for it. Me too. Uh, there's that's... only so many tabletop games I have time for in my life. Although well, I will it... say that a video game would be a new Wool video game would be uh, much appreciated. Uh, because speaking of which, our main topic for the evening is actually an old White Wolf video game. A la 2004, circa 2004, uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. Oh man, this is such a good game. And it, <gasps> you, uh, I believe the last video game we talked about was Undertale, which was Indeed. hot and fresh. So uh, it may be a little weird that we're going back into the past. Yeah, this is kind of our, this is the first time we've ever tried a retro review, really. Yeah. Also, spoilers, for the gods' sake, but if you haven't played the, it's 12 years old, guys. And so. actually, surprisingly enough about spoilers, even though we spoil some things, there are tons of things in yeah. this game. That we're never going to cover, and you will be just surprised. Just by. in our usual little pre-chat, like before we record, mm. because you know this can't. We don't script, but we're also really not super awesome improvisers all the time. Um, I found out that there, I just found out so much about this game, that game that despite having played it for like twenty, thirty hours at this point and having beaten it one good time, I know jack shit about. I, I yeah, didn't, I didn't experience it at all. Because it has of just what I chose at the beginning. Yeah, it it has an amazing amount of replay value. Like, that's one of its biggest things, because there's seven different clans, uh, and each of them has, I wouldn't say you, a unique storyline, but they experience the story in a different way. Let's uh, uh, let's bring it back a little bit so sure. we can get some context, because we're diving directly into it. And let's, let's at least guide the oh, yeah, audience sure. along here. Um, so, as Ryan said, 2004, um, it's called uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, uh, it was made off of the uh, uh, Half-Life engine. Yep. Um, it was extremely ambitious. Uh, it is a role-playing game. It is role-playing focused. It uses very the basic mythos of White Wolf, aka you play a vampire, actually a full, newly fledged vampire embraced, uh, who is allowed to sort of live and your sire dies, so you don't have to deal with all of that crap, but you have to suddenly are thrown into the geopolitical avenue of basically Los Angeles or yep. near near Cal- in uh, California. L- LA. Yeah. yeah. The LA and Santa Monica areas. Yeah. And yep. In that, uh, you have to, as your character learns, you're learning what's going on and you get to play between seven different clans. Yeah, seven different clans. You know, the, 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 the core Camarilla clans. Um, and like I said, each one has its own sort of take on the story and the take on being a vampire. And they represent it incredibly well. Tons of dialogue dependent upon, like, what, what clan you are and who you're talking to. Like, obviously, a venture talking to a venture is going to have a different yeah. conversation than, say, a Nosferatu. Like that, and that's, Not yeah. much conversation there. Yeah, Nosferatu found that to be uh, the least chatty of the uh, of the playthroughs. <laughs> well, you got to do you got to experience game in a different way because certain people will react to you because you are an Osferatu and you get and you have cool powers that let you do things that no one else can do. Uh, I mean, some of the people's reactions and like some of the people who do talk to you, their their questions are pretty funny. Like the, what the the general what the fuck happened to you? They must have had to write like three thousand of them. Yeah, the um. Also, dialogue options based on your level of humanity, um, because like if you're if you're if you've been killing folk left and right, you start to talk and act, and people react to you as though you're a bloodthirsty monster. Because hey, guess what you are. And, and um, what's cool is, uh, and this is sort of an interpretation of this is like one of the better interpretations of taking a role playing game and trying to inject it directly to a video game. Your character sheet looks very similar to what you would see in a actual White Wolf game. I mean, it's basically uh, the White Wolf character uh, humanity, sheet. Humanity, actually, they're like, hey, humanity, this is a track. If it goes too low, you, you're you're done. Your character dies, or you go into permanent frenzy, and you can't play anymore. 
Oh, and, and also, if you break the masquerade, which yep. has very specific rules, there were certain places that you're like, you break the masquerade, and if you get it, you, you violate it enough, guess what? You mm-hmm. die. They come hunting for you, and you have to make a new character. Which, particularly if you're if you're uh, playing an Osiratu, walking around, I you know I, I didn't fuck her fuck around too badly on that. I still walked the streets. It didn't. Yeah, you, you just have to be more careful and not touch people. Yeah, you gotta you gotta you, you gotta, gotta just be like, stay away from people. Yeah, also don't walk near cops. Oh it's yeah, like, cops. just like real, just like real life. Ooh. <laughs> don't go near the cops. don't go near cops. Like don't, treat them as if they're your mortal enemy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Ben please. and Jerry's. Bye, Ben. Yes, please. If do. that dates the podcast at all, I do. I do want to. I do want to try the empowerment. Mm. Uh, but um, what this game is obviously it's a, it's a twelve year old game. Mm-hmm. It looks it, but because of the dialogue options and because of the many sort of branching paths of in how you encounter the world high replayability and also it just feels very fresh especially if you're very familiar with the vampire like white wolf's vampire it it will feel very alive to you and uh, i highly recommend it if you've never if you're a fan or are started becoming a fan and you want to dive directly into something current uh, not current but something that was robust Go right ahead. Yeah, you can pick it up real cheap on Steam and uh, GOG Games, uh, GOG.com. Yeah, um, from the beginning to end, you do basically learn. Like, if you're a person who has absolutely no idea what's what what's going on in the basic, like, stock standard vanilla vampire mythos, it gives you the rundown pretty hard. Uh, a very important lesson you learn. Don't fuck with Eastern vampires. They're crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a, uh, it's a good lesson. And so what's what's cool about this is when you're you start off in Santa Monica, you're a new fledgling vampire, and basically you slowly gain quests, but they're just missions for other NPCs, and they start taking you and introducing you to basic mechanics of like combat and all that. But all of them are unique personalities. Like one of the first guys you meet um, after you're let go is, is Jack. Yeah. Smile and Jack. Smile and Jack, who actually, there's actually a lot of some characters in the video game that are reoccur in some of the novels. Yep. Well, Smile and Jack was a character from the uh, from the meta plot from a while back. Um, I mean, he's like the gangrelious gangrel that was ever. Uh, he's a bruja. He's a bruja. He's a bruja, really? Yeah. Yep. Well, and uh, he um, and there are characters from uh, characters and scenarios from Bloodlines that then sh- then go on to show up in like the Gehenna books and all that, which I. I just got a kick out of. Yeah, it makes you feel, and then also you meet a ghoul who gives you a mission because he works for, I believe, the prince. He yeah, does. I mean, it's uh, Merc- his name's Mercurio. Yeah. He's been gut shot. Yeah, and in, you help him out, and this slowly like puts you out into the world. And what's cool is uh, it is shows an age because you could dialogue options are almost never rarely eliminated, so you just kind of go through all of them. But what's cool is depending on who you are, what your clan is, and what powers you got changes certain options or gives you more options. Uh, plus, um, you can encounter certain quests at any time. Like, like uh, was the hospital where you can meet a girl that is dying yep. and uh, you, can, you have some options on it with her. Oh, uh, Heather. Uh, right now, I am... Cr- I, you know, I saved her ass but never saw her again. Well, you're an Osferatu, But I'm so... Osferatu, so I probably wouldn't have been in places where she was at. Yeah. I, as a Tremere, I haven't gotten the option to do anything with her. She just kind of lays on the table and moans a bunch. Yeah, that um, that storyline is very interesting. Like, you can do some really terrible things to that girl. I'm and... going gonna, gonna to run her through the ringer and see what happens. Yeah, that... that... 
I mean, not okay. not to talk about spoilers, but that that was that is an interesting thing. Like that probably made me want to throw my keyboard at certain uh, certain when certain things happen uh, to her because well, she's nice. And she's just a person who's wounded, and you're a fudgy vampire. And you're like, I could save her life by embracing her. Darkness. No, you don't embrace her. You don't embrace her. I you thought you, ghoul, you No, you ghoul her. her. Oh, you ghoul her. her. Yeah, you, you feed her your blood. It's been a while. Since she gets a level. She gets like a level one blood bond to you. Yeah, and all that stuff. Just and you can you can ride that train to the end. You can you can make her your your slave. I mean, because that's what blood bond is. You, you make a human a slave. And Darkness then, uh, is right in the name. Yeah. I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's right, right in there. there. Um, but yeah, I, I played. Uh, if you haven't caught on yet, I played Nosferatu, which I did as well when I originally went through. What it comes down to is most people just run, like you just the very act of you attempting to talk to someone in the street is a masquerade violation. Yeah, like you have to use the sewers to get around, which in its own way is super fucking annoying. However, you can eat rats, which is you know, and get actual blood back from it yep. in a better way. Now, if you're like certain other clans, let's say the Ventru, because you have dominant presence and because you're a socialite. When you talk to certain people, you get certain dialogue options that sort of either cut certain pieces of the conversation completely off and you get right to the chase, or open up new branching paths. Yeah, the, the dialogue options for, for the more sociable clans like Toyodor, Bruja, uh, Ventru, that's a whole other side of the game that, that you know folks that did Nosferatu and whatnot. Uh, my first playthrough uh, was a Malkavian, because they oh, are my absolute favorite clan. But I have I have played every single clan in that game. Uh, I've played it I've played it more than seven times, uh, just because there's multiple endings and whatnot. That's another thing. Um, a lot of games do the multiple endings. This one has about five, um, and, and it does them pretty well. Actually, it does them pretty well. Yeah, you can you can you're you're unlike some like you know games we could mention you know that have uh, certain a, effects certain effects of a massive nature. Really large, um, really, really large, large massive effects. effects. Um, the endings are more, much more organic. The and color of your coffin's different, is what he's trying <laughs> to get at. It's just the color, you know, you're thrown in a different coffin. <laughs> well, these endings are very unique. They actually get political at a certain point. Oh, yeah. Because you can side with the Camarilla, you can side with the Anarchs, you can give the middle finger to both of them, side with the Quijin. Uh, you can. I think you could go. Ro- it's an independent. Yeah. There's an independent. Yeah, there's an independent option, and they all of them are very much based on your choices. Uh, like you can say a few things here and there that will cut off certain options. Like if you if you are like if you are like hardcore fuck the prince and fuck the Camarilla, uh, that shit gets back. Yep. Like and and you you there are things that you can't do because you said the wrong thing or did the wrong yeah, thing. Yeah, the Quajian option never showed up for me, probably because I was just an utter asshat to them, I yeah, guess. Yeah. Probably. Um, um, but yeah, the... the My my favorite playthrough uh, still is the Malkavian, because because of the Malkavian, if you know anything about Clan Malkavian, they're crazy as hell, and they have weird, crazy insight into the world, um, and that manifests very well. Like, there are dialogue options that you can get that don't necessarily like they they're not like spoilers or they don't reveal things too early that that uh, that would you would have to to go play through a lot longer in the game to get through the other clans but if you read them right you can re- see the hints coming and it's just it also oh. gives you the weird experience of being a 
Volcavian who are legit crazy, mystically crazy. Yeah, you have a conversation with a stop sign. Yeah, that's uh, the most it, famous like yeah like, you, you meme out there. Yeah, you can you can get into a serious argument with a stop sign. Yeah, they do a, they do a very good job of like I think the only thing that they didn't really like they didn't showcase the Tremere for all their fucking crazy weirdness unless you and the parts that I have seen because right. obviously, but they do a good job of kind of walking you through. Like beginning to end, like okay, here's what life for for a neonate li- neonate's like. It fucking sucks. Yeah, okay? it's fu- it fucking sucks. You're, it, it, it you're is self aware. It is self aware in that you at one point you have the option, like, let me guess, you're gonna make me fucking do something for you. Yeah, yeah. And there, and if you say that, he's just like, welcome to the Camarilla, kid. Like, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. The whole point is for you to kind of live your life and do day to day, but you get XP for it, which is good yeah. because you can spend it and make your character more powerful, which is always really good. Now, something to mention here is that this was not actually the first vampire computer game. There was one before called Vampire Redemption. Oh yeah, was that before? I thought it was. That after. was well before. That yeah. was I forget when it was. I think it was. It might have been a couple of years before. What format was it? It was then? a computer game. It was. It was a computer game. Um, and it, I, I think playing, playing Redemption and then playing Bloodlines gives you a great appreciation for Bloodlines because Redemption was fun, but it was like, it was a D&D game, but it was vampire. Yeah, you're right. This was a, this was a 2000 game. That's when it was yeah. released. Uh, yeah, it's a role play and I'm seeing screenshots right now. Yeah, it was a top down, it was sort of Baldur's Gate Baldur's style. Gate Diablo I was, style. I was about to ask if it was like three quarters view, yep. Yep. like Baulder's Gate style, because it's just like... If yeah, there's... this is, this is set place, I believe, some of it sets place in medieval time and some of it is in Yep, it, it, you, you start off in the Dark Ages, and you go to modern day, you play Kristoff Romuald, a, a pissed-off Kristoff, a Bruja, uh, and you go through his adventures into the into the, to oh. the nights. And and much like every Bruja ever, most likely you'll end up killing cops. Oh, it, you know, yeah, it's, it's, just, yeah. it's just what well, happens. Well, you can do high humanity, you can do low humanity, uh, but like one of the most ridiculous aspects of, of Redemption was just the sheer amount of kindred that you killed. In that game, you depopulate. The you depopulated world. entire cities worth of kindred. Uh, whereas in Bloodlines, you—it's actually a very rare thing to encounter an actual vampire. Yes, you are mostly fighting ghouls. You are mostly fighting like monsters. Yeah, monsters. Uh, things, and when you run into an actual vampire, that's where things get interesting. Because a lot of the fights, uh, one of the big fights, can be avoided through pure dialogue. Now there are just some fights you cannot avoid. It will happen regardless. Busting the Sabat nest. I do not. I don't know if you can get around that one. No, that no, shit was ridiculous. Awesome. Yeah, that, that's the pound for pound. That's the most vampires you run into is the Sabat nest. Uh, but there's they like do, they do a really good job in there to say, yeah, the Sabat are crazy. Like three celerity are... hobos with shotguns mm-hmm. in one big wide open room. It was tough. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's the idea also the Sabat like. Like smiling Jack and them, they really give it. I was like, "Yeah, we're the cam. This is basically the basic laws of the night type stuff. You can get with it or not. That's fine, but do not deal with this a lot. Like they are just ugly, stu- like ugly, stupid, and psychotic. And but they also do a very good job uh, through the Zanisi NPC of showing that that's not all they are. Yeah. Uh, like, you get the really weird alien perspective oh of the Sabbat through Andre. Yeah, I will say that, honestly, like, here's one of the things, though. One of the, like, most interesting things that happened in the entire game, as far as I'm concerned, and I can tell that this was, like, when they were, like, really rip-raring to go because it was actually an extremely long sequence and very well put together, was actually a, more of a Wraith reference 
with the haunted oh, the house. haunted house. The yes. haunted house is like one of the is your final kind of big mission in Santa Monica. In Santa Monica, and I swear to God, like I've never played a game that had me just like like clutching my keyboard it and was mouse in such terrifying. a way. Like I would swing my baseball bat every time I rounded a corner, full well knowing that it meant nothing. Like there, that I I I can't. I can't go into it now because we're in an audio format, but there is an image, a, a sequence of events that happens in that haunted house that is burned into my brain for its, like, spookiness and evocativeness. Yeah. Um, like, it, it, it was an incredibly well done. Like, I, I played this game, I played that level for the first time at, like, 4 a.m. Oh, what a because, time. Because I had gotten the game installed at 8 a.m. At 8 p.m. And you just kept playing. Uh, uh, that day. And I there was I was in college and didn't have to have classes in the morning. So fuck yeah, I was playing that thing. So yeah, I played that. I played up to that point in one night. It was 4 a.m. I was like, oh, I'm a big scary Malkavian. I'm, I'm a crazy madness vampire. This doesn't... Oh, God. Oh, it's so scary. I, I, dude, dude uh, Scott came over. This was many, many years after the game came mm-hmm. out. But Scott came over and was like, you need to play this game. I played it. And I'm like, Scott. He was like, Matthew, what? I was like, all right, I'm about to do the, 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 the haunted house one. Can you just come on hang with me? <laughs> it's like... It's like six in the afternoon. Can, can we just hang with me while I get through this? It was really cool by the end of I, it. I will say though that like I think part of what made that really good was actually the music and mm-hmm. the sound, they they did a lot of good music and sound work with it. Now the song that they used that was super like freaky crazy is like became their becomes their stock standard oh for something freaky crazy is happening. Yeah, but it's this really like. Someone's plucking on the wrong side of a goddamn mandolin. Yeah. Like, you know, plunky, weird. It, it had a really good score, and it also had a really good soundtrack. There yes. was, um, there's a great sound. It has a lot of really good, like, indie, um, like, industrial and goth music. Um, it's really no, well done. No, go, go ahead, because I actually have a note on that. Um, uh, Rick Schaefer is, was the composer mm-hmm. for the entire game. And there were many famous bands because there was a couple of nightclubs that you go to, mm-hmm. and legit real world bands yep. had music. To Ministry, Laguna Coil, Tiamat. I mean, you, Laguna Coil. You actually have a Laguna Coil uh, poster yep. in, in yeah. your in your first haven, and I was just like, I see. Yeah, <laughs> they they knew. <laughs> I see you guys missed the nineties, eh? Indeed. And, and yeah, that's really and the music, and then just Rick. How he scored the actual ambient music. You could look this music up, and you could just listen to it for hours. It's yeah. really good if you want to get into like an industrial mindset. There's a it it oh god years years after playing this, I uh, I loaded up a, an album uh, by a band called Massive Attack, um, and I realized that there's a song of theirs that is the intro music. For, for for Vampire the Masquerade. It's never credited, but it's the same damn song. It's like an instrumental version um, uh, of... I forget what the name of the song is, but I'm listening to them like... And I had to pull like... I had to pull out like two separate YouTube windows and like listen to them back to back. I'm like, son of a bitch. Now, where was the... Was that band's inspired by or no it no it's the same damn music it is literally the same damn music L- listen yeah. i'm sure they're fine with it i'm sure they're fine with it but it was never on the soundtrack which was yeah. weird um but yeah it was never listed as a massive attack song but it was really it's really good really evocative music really great sound design like you like you mentioned there's yeah and there are levels in there 
that uh, we mentioned before, you know, White Wolf has never shied away from, you know, the darkness and the craziness uh, of, uh, of, you know, their world of darkness. There are levels that are really disturbing. Like, like there's, there's a, there's a, Octavian Primogen's house was, was a really, yeah. I mean, it and was she's tough. the most like one of the most iconic characters. From... No, 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 no. That's not the that's not the primogen. You're thinking about Tourette, uh, oh. Therese and Jeanette Vorman. Oh yeah, that was. I thought she was the primogen. No, she's not the primogen. No, no, she was just a baron. Actually, uh. she's the baron of Santa Monica. Um, yeah, no, the primogen. The primogen was a uh, a man. You never actually see him. Uh, you never actually encounter him. But you encounter his madness because it is manifest on this house. Um, but yeah, there's that's a very creepy scene. Um, I think probably, um, probably one of the creepier moments of it uh, was not actually something overtly supernatural, uh, because you have to make your way into a snuff film studio. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and while there are terrible like Zemisi flesh monsters running around, they're not the disturbing part. Yeah, uh, it's it's all the you know blood so. Like, there's far too much blood here to be just, you know, from, like, the five guys who run the place. Yeah, right? it's like, yeah, like, like, just all the, like, little, like, sets that they have set up for this stuff. Like, it starts off with, like, it's just a regular porn studio. And, you know, that's, you know, depressing and, and whatnot because it's the world of darkness and I doubt that this is a very progressive, happy place to work. But then you go into the other part of the studio where it's the snuff film and... That disturbed the crap out of me because it was, it it was just very bleak, very dark, and a purely human evil. Yep. Um, which and then you get to you get to juxtapose that by immediately going to the Zamishi kill house. Oh yeah. You go to you oh, go that to was a, also fucking terrifying. You get to go to a Zamishi's house, which is you know just a charnel house. Just, it's literally just wall to wall meat. Yeah, he's a bear, he's a bear. I'll last that guy. <laughs> uh, and, and so, as you make your way through this game in many choices, you can avoid certain combat situations, but towards the end, you, as uh, Scott said earlier, you've got to decide what happens, and there's some very interesting story because the plot, it's not super spoilery when I mentioned, you're after a sarcophagus. Yep. And and you, by the end of it, you have to make a choice of what you want to do with the sarcophagus, because uh, there is a couple notable NPCs. Who's the gang role that keeps showing up? Uh, Beckett. Beckett. Beckett shows up, yeah. If anyone who's followed the chronology of Gehenna knows a good deal about Beckett. And they are, they are... Even the, I kind of, like, when the name Beckett showed up, I was mm, like, uh... That's he's a guy. the strangest uh, gangrel you'll ever meet. Yeah. Well, he's an artist. He's an artist scholar. He, he, he... But he's also a gangrel. Also, also, for anyone who hasn't played the game, talk to Beckett as much as possible. It's basically free experience. Yeah, yeah. He'll always raise your scholarship if you have a conversation with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically what... Beckett helps you try to find the sarcophagus because he thinks the sarcophagus is linked to basically the vampire age of the world, and you have to make a decision what you want to do with it. The funny thing about the ending is, is it's not what you expect the ending to be. Nope. Um, I'm going to spoil this, and this is one of the mini endings. Uh, but one of the endings is if you just open it up and you're like, ah, cool prince, we're all we're buddy buddy. Let's open the sarcophagus and become mortal blood gods or something. It's full of dynamite and it explodes. Yeah, they, 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 no matter what happens, the it's always been a con. Like, uh, it's not exactly clear how true all of the shit that gets talked about that sarcophagus is, but it's filled with dynamite. Smiling Jack, the guy who you meet right off the bat, has been playing you, the prince, everyone, 
Uh, and because he's trying to keep the world from freaking ending. Oh, he also wants to. He also really wanted to kill the prince because, well, he's an anarch son of a bitch, uh, and wants you know chaos and anarchy. Um, so yeah, it, it it's not what you think. Um, there, there's something also... to keep your keep your mind open about this game when you mm-hmm. interact interact with it. There's also an Indiana Jones ending, by the way. <laughs> you can pick which one. Yeah, it's not the aliens one. But it is an Indiana Jones ending. There is, there is, depending on how... Like how shot many... for shot, an Indiana Jones yep, ending. Yep, So yeah, there's lots of different options about what, what shakes out and like what your position in the world is after all this stuff goes down. Uh, you can rise pretty high, uh, or you can you can sink pretty low. But um bum bum Galconda just isn't an option. Galconda isn't an option. I don't think they really had the time to... Uh, that would have been its they own mentioned it. I do thing. remember but. they did mention it somewhere mm-hmm. because one of the one of the loading screens talked about Golconda as a as yeah. A they talk they talk about it, but it's it's not. Yeah, something. I wrote Humanity Ten for basically the my entire playthrough because it's actually very easy to gain mm-hmm. humanity. It's just don't be a murdering dick bag. Yep. Uh, don't just murder people in on combat zones. Yep. But. I just kind of like played Reggie the kind-hearted Nosferatu, I suppose. Yep. And it, it, it's because it's a video game. It's much more. It's much more uh, liberal with like certain restrictions that we as role players are coming from the actual game would be like. Yeah, that would be a lot, re- lot harder to be that and to act like that all the time. Because... I mean, this playthrough, Mike Tremere is going to be a cold hard bitch. So, like, the first thing I did when I stepped out of my haven for the first time was drink the man who just, like, bothered me a little bit just dry. <laughs> just dr- it's like, oh, good. I ha- I'm only at half blood right now. Guh, 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 guh. Yeah. You gotta have blood for that blood sorcery, man. It's not called blood sorcery for no reason. I, I kind of wish Theft of Vitae had stayed exactly the same as it was in the book, because I think it would have been just a very... Because it, it would have been a very, very... It's a very high-level ability. Like, the level... They, they, one of the things is the disciplines, they had to gamify them okay, in some way yeah, that, was, that was reasonable and interesting. But Thaumaturgy, like, got a real, like, it got a hardcore overhaul just because of, like, you can't, you can only have so much Thaumaturgy. It has to be five levels just like everything else. So the Depth of Vitae, which used to be, I believe, the level four Thaumaturgy ability where you just basically suck blood out of sons of bitches without them ever knowing it. Mm-hmm. I wish that had been there because I feel like that would have actually been a very interesting thing to work towards. One thing I would love, and I think a lot of people, especially with the conversation we had earlier about White Wolf Entertainment and one of the video games, um, this video game has a huge following. Oh, yeah. Um, well, many, many years, nine nine iterations worth, after this game launched, had fan patches for it. There are there are communities that are devoted to this game that are like, if you buy it off of Steam or, you, uh, or good old games, there are, if you're willing to tinker a little bit, you can put your own patches in there, your own mods that like shore up a lot of bugs, make sure certain quests may, uh, do what they're supposed to do because, uh, well, the studio that made it doesn't support it anymore, and also adds a lot of new content. A lot of new it. content and a lot of restored content. There is there are there is content in the game that did not get implemented, and a lot of the patches like well, bring some, that content out. For example, like there's some stuff and some places that like just running around as the like the way I went through the game. It's like there are buildings that I that are clear like they're obviously supposed to be there. Like right. the library in downtown. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure they there's do, something, they talk about that. Yes, I'm they, sure there's something going on in there, but but poor Reggie, he never went to the library. He never to, yeah. he never, there, there's he, a lot of content in that means what I would love to see, in, and I know this is—I'll this, probably never get it—is 
I'd love to see a remake of Bloodlines from the from the ground up with the same, mostly the same story or a modern story. I, but I loved the retelling of it because it was such a good immersive experience. I mean, it is it is the most like it is a vampire story, be, like in in that way. It's like. A bunch of people stronger and more important than you tell you to go do some shit to try to deal with Gehenna somehow. Yep. Like, and that, and that's like the encapsulation of a lot of people's, like, yeah, you know, if you're, white, if, you know your, yeah. your White Wolf experience. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, I definitely, like, they haven't come out and said it because I think it's probably they're engaged in a lot of contract negotiations and getting all the, the, the I's dotted, but you know, whenever they talk about this sort of thing, they mention bloodlines, and they talk. They 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 know that people want it. Uh, you and said they wanted they deserve to get some money, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. And if they wanted to just print some money, they could have another bloodlines. Just make another bloodlines. I'd prefer. I would actually prefer them to make a new game. Um, bloodlines is a game that I've played and I've loved. Oh, I mean within style. I, yeah. I don't actually. I don't actually give a shit about this. I love a sequel. I yeah, love a sequel. Something in the, in the realm of a sequel. I to mean, this sure. Story. Well, Aaron, something that something that you know deals with this whole like well, the different sort of Gehenna that they've been talking about. Yes. Let's 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 see where let's see where the events of Bloodlines interact with their new envisioning of the long slow apocalypse and the slow the Gehenna. Slow burn. Uh, let's Still let's burn to the end of the world. Exactly. Let's see how like let's see how that plays around. And maybe uh, the combat won't suck. <laughs> maybe the that combat is, won't. that is probably the biggest weak weakness of Bloodlines, mm-hmm. and that's probably just a sign of its age and yeah. time period. When it was I don't built. know, brother. I don't know. I feel like they could have done better. I feel yeah. like they could have they they could have ripped off. I just maybe it's because of how I was playing it because I don't think I, I didn't have a I was using trackpad and like right. no. oh yeah that oh, be, yeah. yeah okay you, no wonder it was I mean it, it is like the the when when you look at it in terms of how the combat works it's a first person shooter um and you know first person shooters deserve to be played with a mouse and keyboard uh, that's just, right. that's just the way it is. I actually preferred, much preferred playing it from the third person perspective. Yes, yeah. I did too. All, I played a lot of it. It, it was a game that lent itself much better to yeah, a third person perspective, except for when you're shooting. Yeah. But I well, didn't, you know, I didn't shoot much. Yeah, because... true. When you're doing melee, that, that is true. I did, I did go up to third person. But, used... then, but then again, I, I, you know, I say first person shooter. What I mean is like, you know, a shooter game, like right. a shooter, a shooter, you know, a fruit, like a, a, a single person. But um, the it's built on the Half-Life 2 engine. Uh, it was actually released like a week or so prior to Half-Life 2. Yeah, there was uh, actually a release date. Something came out like right on top of it. Uh, it was mentioned somewhere that I read or it was in the keynote notes. There was something that was released right on top of it, and that's what made its reception, initial reception, not as big as they were expecting. Yeah. Now, it got a huge cult following. Yeah, it did. We're talking about it right now, but... But yeah, no, it was based on the Half-Life 2 engine, and um, man, Half-Life 2 was a much better game combat-wise. Uh, uh, there, You know, and honestly, like, I bitch, but there's only, like, certain parts in the game where that was truly a weakness. Like, if you choose to do... There's a reason they tell you don't fuck with Eastern Vampires, because the Quage Internet yeah. will fuck you up. And, yep. and if you choose that way, and you end up having to fight one of them, it is the most annoying, arduous, bullshit fight in the entire game. Like, I would go through the Sabat's Nest 
10 times before yeah. I ever had to do that fight again. It was yeah. just terrible. Yeah, that the the boss fights were a little little yeah, uh story-wise the game is wonderful, character-wise it, it it's a delight, but I think all three of us agree where it falls down is its actual combat. I feel yeah. like you, I feel like they could have gotten away with a game in which if you were smart and you put your all your dots where they were supposed to go and you were clever I feel like you should have been able to talk your way through that entire I game think, without drawing a weapon once. Um, I, they could absolutely do that now. I think. I think back then the, the philosophy and the mentality of game developers gotta have some combat. And now we have games uh, like Deus Ex, uh, like Human Revolution, Mankind Divided, that sort of thing. Um, that you know, non lethality. Non lethality is a thing. Dishonored lets you go full non lethal mm-hmm. if you wanted to. Yep. And exactly. I feel like in the modern day, like you could make a super. Fu- like fuck it, use Deus Ex, you know, Human Revolutions engine. Sure. Oh, that would be gorgeous. Human uh, uh, Mankind Divided, the newest one that just came out, and I have it on my computer. That was that was the first thing that got me. Was this this is gorgeous? This is I, so uh, pretty. I've tried to play that game more, and I, I've come to the conclusion that my my computer just I need more RAM. Yep. Uh, I uh, yeah, I need more Anyways. money. I need more money. Send money. Send, send money. money. Podcast audience, send money. <laughs> um, um, only if you want to. Only if you want to. Um, now, uh, oh, oh, I did a little research while Scott was talking. Uh, so, when it was released on November 16th, 2004, it was in combination with Half-Life 2, Metal Gear Solid 3, uh, and Halo 2. Never stood a chance. Never yep. stood a chance. Uh, literally one of the interviews, and this is a, off the Wikipedia, was basically saying, this was the worst possible time uh, most people didn't even know it was out. Because of, of Valve, at the time, when they made release half mm-hmm. they were like, you cannot release your game before our game. Because mm-hmm. it's running off the same engine. Yep. So, uh, somebody somebody screwed the pooch there when they said, hey, what's going to be the release date? I yeah. just didn't know. I, I mean, I, I will say, though, that it is, in fact, while, you know, we're, I, I'll i be honest, uh, I haven't talked to anyone who's played Halo 2 in a while. I have, however, talked to people who have played Bloodlines recently, not in this room, yep. and told me that, it, and still talk about that it's a good game. So, you know. It's got some extremely quality, man. memorable, memorable stories and character encounters that, to me, when I, and I told Scott this off air, was when I sat and reloaded up just to kind of refamiliarize myself. It wanted it. It made me want to run slash play in a vampire game again. This is one of the best represent direct like whole cloth representations that uh, that one studio did that sells me on the idea of what vampire in the world of darkness is all about. Well, and what it, you can do with it. It goes back to something that I've been just I've been just very blatantly saying these last few years in the in the time of AAA gaming. Fuck graphics, get writers. Yep. Like, yep. screw next-gen graphics, hire ten better writers than the ones you already have, and your game will be fine. Like, for example, another really, really heavily, like, RPG-based game, Shadowrun Hong Kong. Yes. Completely text-choice-based, completely text-choice-based. I would love to see, if, actually, if, I, I think I told you this, if they were to revamp uh, Bloodlines, like whole cloth, mm-hmm. I would want it in the, the Shadowrun engine, the one they use. That'd be a very easy way for them to do stuff. I don't know. I, I think Bloodlines... Um, I think Bloodlines benefited a great deal from the Half-Life 2 engine uh, because... As a sneaker. Car- yeah, as, as a, a... When you're trying to sneak in that game, there's a certain degree of just, like, ass-clenching <laughs> that is always going on because 
you know, Reggie the Nosferatu, not exactly a, the kindly face that you'd want to see trying mm-hmm. to pick the lock on your on your administrator's door, but that did happen. Like, I cannot tell you how many times I got sh- shot the shit up trying mm-hmm. to fucking rob that blood bank. Oh, I yeah. can't tell you. I had to reload. That's actually a hard, that's a hard but encounter. I think, you come back to it later. I think, um... My my biggest point was why I think Half Life Two engine and I think a game, a, a newer game would benefit themselves having an engine like Half Life Two, like Human Revolution or or De- Mankind Divided, was the facial expressions uh, when you were in conversation with people. Uh, the fact that it was fully voice acted. Um, but the VO in this game is really good. Yeah, really yeah. good. Yeah, uh, really good voice acting. Uh, the facial animations, because it was based off the Half-Life 2 engine, and ha- one thing Half-Life 2 did did for 2004 was really good facial expressions and, and um, uh, lip sync and that sort of thing, uh, and Vampire benefited from that amazingly. One thing that I am fascinated by, because I, 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 I look for it a lot, uh, is there is not a lot done with Source Filmmaker for the assets in Vampire. Yeah, you're right. What, like I mean, people, source, source is very, very. This just got through a revamp. Yeah, it's it's, it's the source. Very modern. It's the source engine, but and you know any source game that you know we you can think of, people use Source Filmmaker. I'm wondering if like those assets just aren't available. Like huh? if there's something if they like they they just have not been made available for Source Filmmaker. Um, that that could be just a thing. It's lost in time because if this company, I don't know if the company that made Bloodline still exists. Activision? No, it was uh, Troika Games. But oh, Activ- Troika, okay. Yeah, Troika, well, yeah, Troika was, was the, the de- publisher. Yeah, yeah. Troika, Troika was the developer. Uh, Activision was the publisher. They just may not have the assets anymore. They might not have the assets anymore, and they might might not be available. But man, you could do some shit with that. That would be very interesting. Filmmaker, uh, because really good character models, really good um, textures. Um, and the patches improve all of that, um, and the voice acting is amazing. Um, Man, now I want to load up all the patches and you know dive right back into yeah. yourself right that golden patch. Yeah. yeah. So I guess I, I think it's pretty good summation from everything we said that we all really enjoyed the game. It had many more positives than negatives. Absolutely. Um, if you are even remotely curious about old school World of Darkness vampire, go out, spend the five bucks, pick it up, play it. You're going to do yourself a world of good. Um, uh, just combat's going to be a bit of a bitch and just going to have to deal with it. But you know what? If you're like me um, and you play games more for the story than for the for the gameplay, you can cheat. You choose yes. the con- You hit that tilde key and the console's just right there for you. It's right there. And, and, someone, and someone has compiled a beautiful little command list of mm-hmm. just anything you ever yeah. want. You can be god mode, you can set your stats to whatever you like. Yeah, you they can... do in fact limit you a little bit on what your starting stats can be. They don't use the exact basic yeah. character creation of they make a few decisions for you mm-hmm. that I actually disagree with and on a fundamental level. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably going to go back and tinker my stats uh, a little bit. About halfway through the game, I just gave myself 500 XP and I bought everything I wanted. So that's Pretty basically much, yeah. how I did it. Yeah. I was just like, I'm done with I, I see where this game's going. I just want to be here for the story, so I'm just going to fly out. Yeah, it, it, it's, its strengths are its narrative, and uh, you experience more of the narrative with uh, a lot of social abilities and a lot of uh, other things, it, it's just a more satisfying uh, thing than being a murder hobo. Um, but if you, in murder my opinion, hoboing is your thing, you go murder. Oh, if you want to be a murder hobo, hobo if you want to be a vampire murder hobo, go play Redemption. It's true. Because I swear to God, there are not like in in the world of darkness, 
you kill more Nosferatu than there are, than there should be. <laughs> like just in the world, in in the undercity of Prague. It was a different time. There was a lot of mass bracing. Yeah. This should have never actually happened. Nos shovel heads, exactly. <laughs> so I think this wraps up um, this episode of Polyhedron. I want to thank you guys for, uh, especially Ryan, for uh, uploading this game and playing it and giving us a good review on it. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I, I, I went hard on it. Like, some other shit got put aside. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, it's it. worth it's definitely worth it uh and it's super cheap. Um if you've never played it before, give it give it a playthrough. You'll want to play through it a couple of times. Uh if you've played it in the past, get the patches that uh, that have done it and, yeah, and lots see of it, fan patches. See it the way patch. it should be. And also, if you don't like it after 30 minutes, you only wasted like 5 bucks. Mm-hmm. You didn't waste uh, a huge amount of time and money into it. So, it's not going to harm you to get go get it. And uh, it's, uh, I think it's a taste of things to come. I think it is definitely uh, what we're gonna when we start to see White Wolf computer games and video games, they're gonna look, uh, they're gonna look very much like Bloodlines in ter- terms of their focus and their quality. I, I absolutely hope if they don't do that, they're doing something completely. I wrong. mean, they need to like double down on the spookiness too. Because oh man, I, so I spooky! By God, I mean, it is that time of year and the most holy time of year in which the spookiness reigns supreme. <laughs> And I, I just, you know, so spoopy. I, yeah, so spoopy. And I just can't, I can never get enough of spookiness yep. and goth shit. All right. So if you really like this episode, um, go over to iTunes, give us a five star review. It really helps us out. Um, Ryan, I hear you got a little bit of, a little bit of feedback for us. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, about four months ago. Sorry about this. Uh, a fellow named Jackman uh, gave us a five star review on Stitcher. And said that we're, you know, we're, we're rock solid and that he enjoys listening to us. So if you're still listening to us, Jackman, thank you so much. We're very sorry that we didn't notice. I'm but, very you know. sorry that I didn't notice until, like, you know, last week that this happened. I don't I don't get notifications. But, hey, so your support is actually genuinely appreciated. Yeah, please, guys, go. It really helps us. It gets this podcast more visible. I think we have a lot we can bring, and I will definitely want to make our audience bigger. Also, um, feedback makes me not feel like I'm a crazy person screaming into the void. Um, I mean, we're all that, but... Well, Facebook is its own thing. Uh, if you want to give us direct feedback, you can always email us at polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, feel, feel free. Give us things to talk about. There's yeah. lots of stuff coming out. There's lots of stuff to talk about. Please ask us be a part of the show. Ask us questions. Suggest a game for us to review. Yes, absolutely. And if you really like this episode and you really want to see Polyhedron expand, please head over to poly, uh, patreon.com slash polyhedron and think about giving... Uh, as little or as much as you want. Now, I will just clarification uh, as far as patrons patronage goes. Uh, the minimum now is a dollar. That's not my doing. That is Patreon's doing. There's a minimum of one dollar uh, per month. So you have to at least give a dollar. Apologize about that, but it's going to go to a good cause. I promise. Yes, our egos. No, no, it's actually going to give me better equipment. It's going to be able to line <laughs> us up some stuff to facilitate it, our egos. Ding. If you haven't noticed, roleplay books are expensive. It's hard to get copies of them so we can review them for you. I'd actually really love to make that a regular segment of, hey guys, we're going to review a book this week and we've all had time to really digest it. We really like doing these things legitimately, you see. We don't want to steal from anybody. Please help us not steal. We love not stealing. Not stealing is grand. Um, I guess with all that, um, from everyone here at Polyhedron, go where your fun is. Go roll some dice.